1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to talk about a, or continue talking about a very interesting, somewhat controversial topic. Uh, we started last week talking about uh, uh, women in, in the church and their, uh, what the scripture says concerning their involvement. Two things to start out with, and it's going to, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy 2, uh, starting with verse 9 again. Um, two things I want us to make sure, not necessarily that we agree upon, but that we start out understanding. Uh, number one is that uh, the scripture does not give place away to women pastors. Just doesn't do it. Uh, it's unbiblical for a woman to be a pastor. Amen. To hold that position. Or an elder to hold that leadership position. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. I believe that's the way it is. <laughs> the scripture tells us. So that's how I can give you, tell you with, with authority. Uh, the second point is that there is a place a ministry most definitely an important role for women in the church and we're going to be looking at, at that this evening too so there is no place for women pastors but there is absolutely a role for women and leadership in, in the church verse 9 of 1st Timothy chapter 2 in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefastness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Last week we talked about the fact that to adorn themselves in such a manner at this time in particular was to basically mimic the priest, the priestess temple prostitutes in Ephesus. This is where Timothy was. This is where the temple of Diana was. And the on the street around the temple uh, there was so much activity and there was so much attention of these women drawing the attention, the men uh, the man's attention to themselves in this type of, of dress. Um, and so basically that's what it's, the, the whole point here is godliness. The whole point here is uh, not to draw attention to yourself because men are easily drawn astray. Men are easily drawn away. And we need to recognize that. Women need to recognize that. That Men are uh, motivated by sight. Uh, men, uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous. And, and what was going on here is you couldn't avoid it here in, in Ephesus uh, the way they, were, they are, were adorned. It, not that God minds women to adorn themselves because the, the bride of Christ, the holy city Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. There's nothing wrong with women adorning themselves in beautiful, appealing fashion to their husband. Matter of fact, there's everything right with that. Verse, look at verse 10. And we talked about that last week. But, but which becometh but... Okay, do, let's, let's go back to verse 9. I'm sorry. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefastness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but with good works. Now we're going to go back to that other parentheses there. It is a parentheses, but read it. How are women to adorn themselves so that they are attractive and they're appealing to God? How With good works. That's noticeable also. That draws people's attention also so women are to think in their minds and in their actions 
to draw attention to their godliness, their good works, and how they are serving God. But with, but which becometh women professing godliness? See, that's women that want to serve God. Women that want have a desire to serve God. Here are some guidelines. Here are some guidelines. N uh, not with things that are going to draw men's attention in a sexual manner, but when they notice, they think of the good works. Stephanie. Okay, uh, Pastor. Uh, I used to be a cosmetologist, okay? And I did cosmetic surgery. And I was a fashionista type person. I did, you know, I, I did people make up the crowns and all that. So, um, because of that, I had to explain to people, I said, now, like you said, there's a way to adorn yourself without alluring or causing sexual attraction. But people that are in the you know, in that mindset that women should not wear makeup, they should not, uh, they should just look plain and just wear long dresses and fashion was an issue with God. And so I, I'm sorry, and so I was turning my head and I said, do you? And it got me to the point where I was like, is this too long or is it? He's like, I, I will let you know if right. you're inappropriate. You're sure. right. that, that, amen. But it had me feeling some type of way. And so I was sharing to myself, I, I don't think God is telling women not to uh, beautify themselves. Like you said, men are beautiful. Right. You, know, they, you know, women love who they're attracted to, and men are attracted to what they love. Yeah. So me, I was explaining to me So we have to keep ourselves up to a certain, you know. Ever mindful of that. Ever, ever, ever mindful of that. Ever right, mindful right, that you, right. you are responsible. Right. Uh, because men are such easily led astray. Right. Easily uh, led that direction. Uh, so... Verse 11, I mean, were you? Oh, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, but, so I said all that, we have two things here that Paul is trying to get across. One is don't look like the temple prostitutes. Avoid looking like that. And to the church, the body of Christ, you women who are part of that, it is godliness that, that makes you attractive. It's not the way those women are trying to be alluring for for the business that they're trying to generate. Doesn't a man have responsibility Absolutely. not to look? A godly man will look away. Yeah. Better than be tempted. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. That's right. Yeah. No, and, and this, well, first of all, Paul, Linda just asked the question, well, aren't men responsible for not to look? But the Bible's not addressing that right now. We'll address that here and, and when we get down to the qualifications for elders and what men's responsibility are. What we're doing is we're addressing exactly what the Scriptures are talking about is women's responsibility. And he, he'd already talked a little bit about the, the, uh, the man's role, but he gets really into detail in the man's role here pretty quick. But it, yeah, absolutely. A godly man is responsible for his his behavior. Um, I have a question. Yes. Tony and I were married by a woman pastor. Does that mean not, we're not really married? Yeah. <laughs> Are we living in sin all this time? Should we do a retake? Uh, you over? The, 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 the state recognizes that marriage. Should he buy me another ring? A, a bigger diamond. <laughs> he needs to. He needs to. But, uh, but one of these days, you know, you might want to consider getting married in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 committed to him. He's committed to you. Holy wedlock. 
I think it's taken place. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Can him, him pronouncing you man and wife, or her pronouncing you man and wife, were, were you even a believer at that time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We came uh, to this church that week, the weekend right, after we got yeah, married. Right. Or after right. The thing is, they didn't move in together. I know. With the, with the intent of shacking up, they actually went and got married. Verse 11. <laughs> how do you like that for moving right along? Verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Alfred just said, this is my verse. <laughs> Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Now, the other point that we want to bring out here is all of this context, and context is king. Context always means everything when you're studying. It has to do with a woman's role in the church concerning teaching, usurping authority over the man, teaching the man, which she is absolutely forbidden, according to Scripture, to do. So when it says, let the woman learn in silence, there are four different, well, three different, two different, two different words in Greek for silence. And there is one that has to do with complete zipping it. You're, you're, you're just, you're zipped. Uh, it, it has to do with, uh, it's sige. Sige, it means just to zip it. And to, that's not this word. This, this, this word here uh, is a different Greek word, and it has to do with being still. It has to do uh, with not making a ruckus. It has to do with not taking authority. It has to do basically with not usurping your the the males the males rope. Uh, let the woman learn in silence means to be still. Uh, the word patient really doesn't fit in here, but but it has to do with with quietness. Uh, it can almost be translated quietness. Let the woman learn with quietness. In other words, keeping her. Uh, have to be careful here. We got so many women. Yeah. But, but weren't in quietness, not trying to usurp the male's authority. And as long as you do not try to usurp uh, my authority teaching here, uh, I, I love to have people speak. Uh, Stephanie, Linda, Janet. I, I, I love for people to ask questions. And they're not usurping my authority uh, at all, but they are learning uh, in a, with a quietness, with a stillness that I think is is appropriateness. What that what this scripture I do not believe is saying is let the woman keep her mouth shut, sit down, never say anything at all. That's that's not the word here, but learn with subjection. Uh, being submissive to that authority that God has placed the man in. And here's the reason. I don't think, I don't think that this is, that God hates the woman. I don't think that God is saying, I don't like you and I want you uh, not uh, participating. I just think he knows his creation. And I think he knows man will sit back and allow women to do it all. He knows his creation. So God, it's more of God holding man responsible, not quietening the woman, is the way I read this. It, and the whole context is teaching and usurping authority. It doesn't say that when you walk in, you have to come in and sit down and really mousy lock, not go, can't say anything. That's not what that scripture is saying. 
As a matter of fact, you ought to sing. You ought to praise God. Uh, women have some of the greatest testimonies ever that you want to hear about what God says. But when it comes time to opening up the Word of God and, and teaching men, because when we get to Titus, uh, their women are to teach. So how can you be quiet in the church if one other place it says you're to teach the, the women, the younger women, and one of the, what's one of the things you're supposed to teach the younger women? I've always thought this, huh? But what are they to teach them? What's one of the things they're to teach the women? To love their husbands. Husband? To love your husband. Love or honor? Love. The word's love. That for the women to teach, the older women or teach the younger women to love their husband. We, you guys have to be taught to love us. And so you can't be, if that word is silent, you couldn't even do, you couldn't even do that. So let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, with all submissiveness. And this goes back to the garden. Goes back to the garden. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Now this, this makes it a little bit stronger. Uh, 34. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34. Now, this whole chapter, chapter 13, chapter 14, uh, it's all about the gifts and tongues and speaking. That's what it's in. It, how, when, when the gift of tongues was active. It's going to be a time when tongues is going to cease and, and gifts of knowledge and prophecy are going to cease. Uh, the gift of tongues is going to cease. But during this time, it was still going. And verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. Again, this is no women preachers. This is not taking over a service with tongues and, and babbling and things that the modern day Pentecostal church likes to conduct their services doing. It's actually frightening if you ask me, but... Uh, but 1 Corinthians 14, 34, let your women keep silence in the churches. Again, it has to do with preaching. That doesn't mean when you walk in the door, you can't say good morning, how are you? Uh, there is a role for women in the church. But the context here is taking usurping, or taking the leadership role, preaching the Bible truth. I will not even listen to a woman preacher. I don't want her to sin. I, I, don't, I don't want her to sin. If, if a woman starts uh, preaching, uh, teaching uh, on TV or on the radio, I, I just turn it up. I, I can't listen to it uh, for their sake. Uh, and there, there are several women preachers out there that have good reputation, conservative women preachers uh, that I think are missed their calling. But anyway, Jen. Um, Tammy has her hand up, and I just want to move on to 35, verse 35 for a second, that is pretty clear. It says that if they will teach anything, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home for the shame of them to speak in the church. Okay, well, what if you're, and let's go to Tammy's question. Yeah, because what? Tammy said, And, and that and that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and that happens. And that and that is a predicament. 
And that's why we just sort of jump around those scriptures. Uh, but again, whose responsibility? I, the wives, you can still ask your preacher questions. I do. Right. And you can still okay. make those comments. I got a question. Yeah, go Well, hold on a second, Tammy. I'll be right with you. Uh, okay, thanks. Yeah, I'll be right, right there. Uh, what does it still go back to? Husbands, your responsibility of learning so that you can teach your wives. And that's really, it's not, the question is not, women, why are you preaching? It's men, why aren't you doing your job and taking on your role to lead your wife? Oh, where's the offering plate? Let me get Tammy's, let me get Tammy's question. Okay, Tammy. Tammy? I texted, but can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you good. Ah, here's the question. This is a pretty interesting question because everybody knows I come okay. to church by myself a lot. Right. So I looked with her husband, whom is an unbelieving spouse. How should I act and how should I go about my, my daily life? I know I witness, you know, I, I witness, I'm a good wife, I support him, I, I take care of the house. Um, I, I, but when it comes to biblical reasoning and, and management, in a sense, because I live by the scriptures, he right. doesn't. He lives by science because he's a science guy. Do I just punch him in the face and maybe he'll wake up or just, just live my life? What, what should I do? First uh, Corinthians seven thirteen. And the woman which has a husband that believes not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified, sanctified, or literally set apart by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. You continue to pray for your husband. You continue to lift him up before the Lord. You continue to be yes. submissive to him. But you continue to share uh, the truth of God's word with him. Uh, and praying for him constantly. Uh, yeah, that, uh, the, the scriptures I think have an answer for that. Is you are to. Uh, how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been together 14 years, married 11 years. Okay, so uh, you, you're a believer. He's not. Uh, the, the marriage is holy. God honors it. Your, your marriage is set apart. Uh, you want it to. You don't want to. Don't want to leave him. You want to see him be drawn to Christ. You want to be an example? Uh, just be right. committed to, to doing that. Okay, I won't punch him in the face then. No, don't don't punch him. Uh, you, you will break your hand. Yeah, so don't don't punch him. You break your you break your hand. So anyway, back right, to thanks. back to first. Uh, I got a question. Oh, okay. Linda has a question. Submit yourselves to your own husband. That's right. Let's look I have at, had men in this church try to boss me around and tell me what to do. Knock it off. So I can say, I had a husband. He's not with me now. But I'm still married to him. So leave me alone. But how do you really... How do you really feel? Ephesians... Look at Ephesians 5.22. I'm serious about that, Pastor. I know. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And so Linda has a point that uh, even though I'm a widow. You're, you're a widow, and I think that you can submit yourself to the leaders, to the godly leadership of the elders of this church. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and but as far as bossing you around there is no other man that should be able to do that but under the spiritual leadership uh, it's it's the elders of this church I think your son can step in to help guide and protect so I think what that's all about is the protection that God wants the woman to have over her her head and so that's the purpose of that husband is to provide that protection um, your your husband's gone so your son can step into that role. Uh, the, the church elders can step into that role to be a protection. But 
my role or the elder's role is not to come and say, all right, Linda, here's what you need to do. Change your shoes. We don't like the shoes you wear. Yeah, that, 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 that's not a part, that's not a part, part of this whole thing. So somebody else, Stephanie. Now, I uh, now I've been married before. And I asked the Holy Spirit to show me me because I couldn't figure out I've been married, you all ready? I've been married four times. Four. Look, four. Look, if I don't tell the story, God will get the glory. I was young. I got married the first time I was very young. I was 18, I was young, get all the glory together. But, I had problems to make me nudge. I finally said, Lord, what, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? He said, first of all, see, my mother was very controlling, dominant, you know, bossing her husband. So I was doing the same thing, not realizing that's what I was doing. So the Lord had to tell me, you are not submissive. And First of all, when you try to use the, the, your husband, so that goes against the order of creation, number one. If you're not submissive, you're too controlling. He just, he really let me have it. Mm -hmm. So I said, Lord, you know what? When I got my last divorce before him, I said, you know, I'm going uh, uh, God be man is hard to find unless you are the head of the search committee. So I'm <laughs> going to step back and watch you work. So for a couple of years, so I, Met me, Jeff and I, we were friends, and we started dating. Every time I got bossy or um, not being submissive, the Holy Spirit said, what did you promise me? I said, Lord, forgive me. So it was hard, because I was used to controlling things over the years, my own house, my this, my own house. So he was patient with me when I said, my house, I'm not sorry. He said, baby, I understand. <laughs> I had to really get into the mindset of letting him be the head. So when I, so I started the women group so that we can, I can encourage women to be submissive to the husband because I've heard women disrespect them, put them down in front of people, all of this. And it may be true, but everybody don't have to know that. You don't, you don't do put your husband down in front of people. So I would get women together and we would talk about this. Be godly, follow him as he follow Christ. So it's been 13 years that we've been married, but that we've been married, but I bless God because I've learned to be submissive. Even if I don't agree with him, I would just say, Lord, tell him what it is. Give him revelation on what's going on because he's not in me. Right. So you give him revelation and I go on off. Yes. Then he come back, baby, you lie. You go like, oh, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Tony. <laughs> Don't us guys have to make adjustments because, you know, this work were written long before, like, say the last century, say at least the last 70 years, before the 60s and equal rights and women power and all that stuff. So now we have to make adjustments and we do have to let a lot of things go. I know I do every day <laughs> because these women were taught in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Right. So we got to be bigger. You we don't have to rise above what they've been taught. Um, so first of all, the word of God never changes. And just because society, and that's not what Tony is saying. What Tony is saying is uh, the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they have, they have been a battleground for the home and the family. You get to go to the 50s and the 40s. Uh, Satan wants to, the first and only the only part of paradise, the only part of Eden that was allowed out of the garden is marriage. And so Satan has attacked it ever, ever since then. So the, the word of God doesn't make adjustments to the culture 
The culture needs to abide by the word of God. It, it never changes. What it says here, we need to understand and strive for. And when it says wives to be submissive, I know there are people that are watch, going to listen to this on, blog, on the blog. There are people that are listening now. Well, my, well not anybody here. But would freak, would freak out uh, when it comes to women's rights and women's equality. I think women are... Uh, uh, that, that really doesn't even play into this. You have God's Word, and in Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. However you are, uh, uh, submit to the Lord, how you should submit to the Lord, that's the way you're supposed to submit to your husband. Right? But you know what it, else it says? It says, and I think this is what Tony was getting at, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I say, husbands, they need to take the first step in, this is a marriage counseling, so if you decide to go back, yeah, yeah, the, husbands take the first step and love their wives as Christ loves the church. And when the husbands love their wives, guess what the wife's going to be willing to do? Submit. So anything. But submit, submissive, submit to their husband. And you know what? The more the wife submits, the more the husband's going to love. And the more the husband loves, the more the wife's going to submit. That's the way God ordained it. And you can't go wrong conducting your home, your marriage, your life, the way God ordained it to be. And so t time changes, but the Word of God does not. God's expectations do not. Uh, I think you need to study the word to make sure when it, you understand that if women to be silent in the church, it has to do with teaching the word of God and usurping that authority. That does not mean that they can't come in and sit and visit and, and, and love one another and talk and chat. Uh, that's, and be a loving church, that's important. Doesn't mean they can't ask their pastor or ask an elder a question that possibly their husband can't answer. There's nothing wrong with that. There's another scripture where if a woman tries to rule the house, she tears it down around her ears. And and who who said that, by the way? It's Proverbs. Proverbs says that. And, and so that, yeah, it, and he ought to know. He ought to know. Anyway, let's the move on. worldly way is just tearing them apart. Absolutely. And as long as you can figure out I'll let them think they're in charge. No. Oh, no. You, you, you just lost your argument, brother. You, did, you, you were up. You were good I'm up in, until that. I'm in charge. But is it because she told you you could be? No. Right. No. But see, your job is to go. My wife loves God so much. She. I. I got to get into His Word to find out exactly what His expectations are. And that's well, a little trickier. I got a letter. Give me my letter. Jen. Yeah. Um, I think that an important aspect, which you said it vividly, but to, to say it in our matter of time, is that if your husband is being a godly man, then it's okay. Then I should, if he's acting out and not being a godly man, do I have to so be submissive to him? Yeah, I think that's what that's what First Corinthians says. So he, hypothetically, if he got drunk and came home and started beating me, I would which I would beat him to death. No. Please no, we talk with God, we have a funeral right. right. But um, but if he if he did that Yeah but that's that's but, not what I'm supposed to say. No. no. I'm supposed to beat him to death or run. No. No. Right. No, that but see, that's carrying it to the extreme. And and that's that's not what Paul is addressing here to Timothy uh concerning how women are uh to behave themselves. He the whole the whole book to Timothy is Timothy, your pastor of your church in Ephesus. Here's how it needs to be structured in a godly manner. Here's what is expected of the wives. They're not to teach the men. Men, you are to Assume that authority, and if they're not doing it, you need to straighten that out. They need to start doing it. So, they, because the next 
the next portion of that scripture is elders and their uh, their role. But verse 12, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. That's the key to understanding the point that Paul is trying to make here, is usurping that authority over the man. Why? Why? Verse 13 answers that. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Um, just by virtue of the federal headship of Adam, him being the first one created, God created him before he ever created Eve. He made him over everything. Even name everything. So he had that authority at the very beginning before Eve was even created. Before she came. That, that from the very beginning, Adam had that, that role. Adam was first formed, then Eve. So just that uh, level of authority, I think, is, is important. We have to understand. And Adam, but here's the second part, is the big part. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. She was part of the fall. She was active in the fall. But God holds Adam responsible for the fall. And part of God saying, woman, don't you teach, goes back to her telling Adam, hey, this fruit is really good to eat. And you should participate. And how easily deceived she was by saying, Adam willfully partook. When Eve said, this, this is good, he willfully disobeyed. He was not deceived. He willfully committed the same type of sin, transaction, that Lucifer himself committed, that Satan committed. It was open rebellion against God. Adam looked at that, and he looked at Eve, and he looked at that, and he looked at Eve, and he only had two commandments. One was, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and be fruitful and multiply. And both of those were important to God, or he wouldn't have told him to do it. And so he willfully rebelled against God's word. See, Eve had already made a huge mistake by doing what? Adding to the word of God. When Satan came and said, uh, eat this and we're not supposed to do it uh, we're not even we're not supposed to eat it and we're not supposed to touch it but God didn't say that and God did and God did not say that so what did Eve do she she added even worse than that Tony she she added to the word of God and I think her Authority to teach men goes back to the garden that you that that's not how God has it ordained for women to do because of that sin in the garden. God holds men responsible and, and women are still held responsible for being part of that transaction. For Adam was first formed then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, he willfully openly rebelled against God. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. She, she was still part of it. But it wasn't... What Adam should have said was, Eve, put that down. Put that down and come over here. Uh, just don't, don't participate in that. But he didn't. And I don't think man would have been fallen. Because... God held man responsible. And we're still seeing the effect of it here as we're going over all of this, these scriptures. Now, verse 15. And hopefully we can get done. Verse 15. 
Notwithstanding, well, first of all, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, who was the woman? Eve, being deceived, was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she, who is she? Eve. Eve. See, if you see this and you read this at Eve, you don't stumble over this verse. But if you try to make it woman, oh, women are going to be saved by childbearing. We don't have to trust Jesus as our Savior. All we have to do is have children. Well, what about children that can't have, what about women that can't have children? They can't be saved then. If, and what about we're saved by grace? That's not what Paul's saying here. And I, it's not childbearing. Eve is going to be saved by childbearing because the seed, the line of Christ, is going to come from, from her. So that's what it's saying. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Uh, I think Paul is saying that that's, that's her hope. It's the seed of the woman. It's what's going to come from that, from that plan and purpose of God for that. Um, I don't think it's saying that women, if you're going to be saved, uh, childbearing, and Christ has already been born. People say, well, it's talking about the woman now. Uh, she's going to be saved in childbearing. Hey, this, this was after the fact. Couldn't be talking about Christ. He's already been born. This is talking about she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity. And talking about Adam and Eve. That was, that was God's plan. That's what he said in Genesis 3. I'm going to put enmity between thy seed, talking to Satan, and his seed. And uh, that enmity has been going on. Again, everything goes back. We, got, we need to understand it all goes back to, to the garden. What uh, really got me was Adam blamed Eve and blamed God. Go back to Genesis 3. Absolutely. Yeah. But yet he wouldn't stand up and be a man and say, it was my fault. It, but has man ever... A lot of men are good men. One, one of the things that gets me is these preachers that say, well, Adam looked at her and she was so beautiful and he loved her so much. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe that Adam wanted to be like God. I think it's the same sin that Satan committed it had to do with wisdom it had to do with knowledge I want and, and to be like I, I want to be Satan wanted to be uh, Satan was jealous of the relationship that God had with Adam he wanted to be worshipped just the way God was being worshipped by Adam Adam the, the whole point was if they'll take the tree the knowledge of good and evil because they do, they're going to be like God. us, and that was Adam's. That was his purpose. He wanted, they wanted that, uh, that, that knowledge, so they would know what was good. See, I don't think Adam was created. I hate to use the word perfect because that uh, he he was created in innocence created in innocence, but still had the ability, free will, to choose to do wrong. And he chose to do wrong. He was created with the ability to sin. Uh, again, I think that demonstrates God's love and God's desire to be worshipped uh, freely. Freely. Freely worshipped. Look, look, at, look at 1 Timothy 4.16. And then we'll we'll be done and take some questions. First Timothy four sixteen. Here here is not every time it talks about salvation is it talking about being reconciled to God. We need to we need to realize that. And this first Timothy four sixteen proves that point. Take heed unto your thyself and unto the doctrine. So he's talking about doctrine, the teaching, the right doctrine. 
Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So was Timothy going to be saved, reconciled to God by teaching right doctrine? Or is this have to do saved from the effect of the, the apostasy that was swirling? Yeah, and that's what it's talking about. Um, so in 1 Timothy 2, when it talks about you're going to save yourself in childbearing, it's, it's not, there are a lot of times when it talks about salvation that necessarily always have to do with being reconciled to God. I happen to think 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, that she shall be saved in childbearing, is talking, talking about Eve and the seed of the woman and what it's going to take in order for all humanity to be reconciled to God. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay, Janet. Okay, I have, a, I have two questions, really. One is about um, the Adam being disobedient and Eve being deceived, and that that set the tone. So <clears throat> the way that it is now is because that happened, not because women are still more easily deceived than men. Right? I, I, I think that uh, women are the weaker vessel. Okay, but I, 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 I think that necessarily because in my marriage, okay, I'm just gonna tell a little story, okay? So should we, should we save this for marriage counseling? But anyway, go ahead. This man comes up our street, I know this story. and you were there, and he sells my husband some, I'm pretty sure, stolen lawn equipment. Okay, my husband thinks it's a great deal. This guy just stopped. I accused him of it being stolen. He swore it was. Okay, whatever. He told me a lie about writing it in a dumpster. Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. So then the next day, a guy comes back and wants ten dollars for his prescription. Okay, and told me he's going to give him ten dollars for his prescription. And I said, no, you need ten dollars for your prescription. I'll take you to the pharmacy. I'll pay the pharmacist for $10. They'll give you your prescription. We'll do it like that. We ended up at a drug rehab center, okay? Because that's what his prescription was. <laughs> and I was going to hand the lady the money. She said, you know, I that wasn't for you. It was a scam. We ended up leaving him at drug rehab, okay? But I so said, no. I am the iron rod. And I said, bam, you ain't getting $10 to get a ride for a drug rehab. If, am I supposed to submit to my husband and have this man coming in my house every day looking for more handouts? That's my question to you. Is my husband is easily deceived, and I am not. I'm not saying I've never been deceived. I'm saying he's easily deceived, and I am not. What do we do with that? Am I supposed to defer to him and let him make all the decisions? I think the Lord's will was done. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Let God work on his heart and conviction to straighten the mess out. And you can't... Situations do not dispel what God's word says. Okay, so how am I, what was I supposed to do in that situation? To submit and say, Tony, can we talk? And because Frank will do that all the time. And I'll tell you, there are times privately we'll, she'll say, I don't think we ought to do it. And I'll think it's something we ought to do. But you know what? I have found in 50 years of marriage that she has a sixth sense. And she is, she's not on tonight. She, <laughs> she is, I would say, most of the time right. And I have learned to say, but we're partners. We're one flesh. And I, but I'll tell you this, she would have said, if you feel like helping these people are the thing to do, I, I think you're, you're crazy for doing it, then she can alert me. And when she alerts me, then my bells and whistles go off, and I go, okay, you're probably right. And that's right. more or less what happens. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so no, don't give me $10. Okay. So that was the proper way. He really did it the proper way. He didn't go through do that. Yeah, he didn't go through with it. That's why uh, there's two of you. Yeah, that's why you're one flesh. And you're, there's a reason God's word calls you a helpmate. And you help him through those times when he's easily deceived. Uh, I, I'm a softer. I'm a softie, and, and, and I'll, 
somebody will have a need and I, I just, I want to help them. Well, they're right. taking you to the cleaners. I, you know what? If they need it, no, they're going to take you to the cleaners. So, and I've learned to listen to her uh, when she comes to me in private and says, don't, don't do that. And it works out. And, that, and, that, and that's the way it needs to be. But it, it's like, it, it, you always need to listen to your wife. But it's like my mama used to tell me. My mama used to say, she used to tell me, she said, Ricky, you're not the dumbest man alive, but you better hope he doesn't die. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. Lesson learned. Yeah. Lesson learned. All right. Any other questions? All right. Next Wednesday, we're not going to have our Bible study, but the following Wednesday, we're going to look at elders and qualifications for elders, qualifications for deacons, and you have no idea how happy I am that we're through 1 Timothy 2. <laughs> so, all right. You're dismissed.